Hey everyone, welcome to the Made It in Music podcast. I'm Riley Taylor, our community manager here at Full Circle Music, and I'm so excited for you to hear this upcoming episode because today we get the privilege to hear from David Smallbone about the impact of faith, family, and determination on his journey in music. He is the father and manager of For King and Country, as well as Rebecca St. James, and he has overcome poverty and drastic life changes to become a driving force in the Christian music genre, as well as a dedicated believer and family man. This was recorded at our 2023 Music Makers Bootcamp here in Nashville, Tennessee. This is an immersive experience where you get to learn directly from music industry professionals and connect with other high-level music makers. If you want more information about our upcoming Music Makers Bootcamp, head to musicmakersbootcamp.com. For now, let's dive into the episode. This, by the way, he's been overly generous to me. We started working together 10 years ago on, he co-wrote a song with For King Country called Baby Boy and... Uh, we've been friends ever since, and uh, a lot of people in Christian music, believe it or not, get weaker over the years, uh, particularly with their faith. He's got stronger. So this young bloke here has really encouraged this old bloke. So thank you well, thank, thank for you, carrying, thank you. encouraging a gentleman of increased vintage. Appreciate it. Thank you. It helps to have a wonderful wife, which is something that we both talk about we talk ad about nauseum, and um, my wife keeps me very strong in it, and... Um, it's as yours does as well, too. And she's spoken here at the church. She has her own book as well, too. For those of you yeah, who don't does, know, yeah. Helen Smallbone has a phenomenal, phenomenal book from her perspective um, about raising seven children while touring, while moving from Australia to here. And one of the, the things you may not know, our, our theme for this conference is the climb and just finding joy in the process, finding uh, your place in the process. And yesterday it was all about find your people. What I like about David is he took matters into his own hands, and he, in, within the music industry, he literally made his own people, seven of them, and they are his tribe, his children, and they have done everything together. It's just that's one of the most inspiring things that, that I've seen is that, that you do it all as a family. Has that been, um, I guess, how have you kind of navigated that over the years? Well, you know, the crazy thing is never my plan. My plan was to live in Australia and uh, had, a, had a really nice house in one of the nicest suburbs in Sydney. And 33 years ago, I do this big tour. I budget for 25000 only 15000 turn up. So I lose everything, lose the house and uh, move from Sydney to Brisbane. And then I went to my wife 31 years ago and said, baby, I think the only way we can get ahead is to go to America. And I was shaking in my own boots thinking she'd say no. She said we'd go for two years. And so 31 years later, we're still here. It's been an incredible experience. But what happened, going back to his question, is uh, my daughter was a Christian singer by the name of Rebecca St. James. And I was very fragile in those days. I'd, I'd lost everything, came to town 31 years ago, couldn't get arrested by the industry. So we ended up doing all the things Americans don't like doing, mowing lawns, cleaning houses. And we lived in poverty for those first couple of years. Then Rebecca got a, a deal with Forefront and we needed, and my wife homeschooled the kids, and we needed to keep the whole family together. So Rebecca ended up traveling the world and my sons and my other daughter all traveled with us. And we did it for survival, I think, emotionally. And so the boys ended up becoming the crew. Uh, Joel did backup singing. Luke did uh, lighting, and one of the boys did merch, the other boy did video, and uh, it was never my plan, 
but you know God's plans are better than our plans and I can tell you that from my life experience I wanted to live the good life in Australia had the kids at a really nice Christian school and everything and bang over a two-week period it was always it was all taken away God had a better plan for me and so my encouragement is look for his plan in your life uh I've had a wonderful life. I'm 73. Most people retire at 65. I'm still going. And uh, I was talking to somebody on the way here, radio guy, uh, Corey Mann, and I said that, you know, the crazy thing is all the funerals I'm going to are people younger than me. And, and what that does is challenge me to be very loud about the hope in Jesus. And I hope we can talk about that because one of the things in music business is it's not very sustainable uh, if you do it by yourself. You have to have teams, and I believe you have to have Jesus. And as you all know, there's a lot of addictions in, uh, in the music business, and I think there has to be accountability. So my hope is, during this time together, we can talk about the accountability factor and maybe any other questions that you might have. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. And one thing, you, you, you know, I was kind of joking about this earlier, but not really at the same time. It's like every, t- every conversation I have with you, it feels like you're allowing yourself to be a conduit for God to just speak through you. And I think that's such a gift. And, and, and so I hats off to you for just being open with that and, and just spirit led in that sense. Um, he said something before of just how his kids, uh, even in, in, in many parts of the season were, uh, a therapy to him. Cause, cause you're right. It is, it's a roller coaster. It's, it's up and down and you've seen the lows and you've seen the highs um, and fortunately, you know, you guys are in a great place right now for King Country is just killing it. I think everybody always has the question of like, what's the secret sauce with for King Country? And I'm sure everybody wants to know as well, too. But uh, I know that your I, leadership is a big part of that. Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a bit of a no BS guy, you know, so I, I own a third of the band. I um, tell my sons what I think. And a third of the time I get voted out. And I, 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 I don't like that. I do think the one thing is, before For King Country started, and uh, Seth was around at the beginning, uh, they'd done their 10,000 hours uh, with their sister. And so this would be my challenge to you guys. What happens to a lot of artists, they'll have opportunities, and the opportunities will come and, they, and they'll say, oh, that's below me. I can't do that. You know, there's going to be nobody there. There's going to be two or three people there. My encouragement is to do everything because what people are looking for is people who are faithful. And what I know is God works in mysterious ways. And I think, I think the 10,000 hours was um, good preparation. My first job in life out of school was in retail and I hated it. It was working for uh, uh, Woolworths in Australia, which is similar to Walmart, but it taught me uh, about retail. Then I got, I started working for a book company, then I started working for a record label, then I worked for uh, a TV station, then I worked for a radio station. I look back now, I've been doing this for 57 years, I look back all those silly things were really good apprenticeship for what I'm doing now. Because what do I do? Talk to radio people, talk to TV people, 
uh, to, in some cases, retail people. Retail's gone away with streaming and everything. But, uh, but the books, you know, he talked about Helen's book and for King Country looking at writing a book. Uh, a lot of those... Uh, you know what I think it is? I think everything we... Opportunities we're given max it out because those of us in leadership positions... We're looking for people who are good and faithful. And it's funny, a lot of times when artists come to us, uh, you know, we can almost tell whether it's going to work by their, their work ethic. Are they hard workers? And are they prepared to go where angels fear to tread? I think we lived on the edge. And I think living on the edge is a good thing. Because then you can see God move. If everything's so ordered, well, my parents ordered that or I've got a really good job. When, and I think that's a problem even where we live here in Williamson County. A lot of wealthy people and everything's so well organized that the kids in the family, well, how, I, I haven't, I've never seen a miracle. Let me tell you. When we came to America 31 years ago and were living in poverty and praying every day, we saw a miracle every week. And I think that's why the kids these days have a, have a pretty strong faith perspective. And I think, you know, my, my whole goal with For King Country is how do we share the most wonderful message known to man to as many people as possible? And, and we do that by building the band's notoriety the way they write, write their songs, as Seth knows, it's in parables. And we currently have a song on Hot AC Mainstream Radio and Pop AC Radio, the, the same song, um, what was called Love Me Like I Am, we did with Jordan Sparks. And that's getting to a wider audience. So I'm, I'm an artist development guy. And, it, and on occasions, I have problems with my sons because I'm always wanting to invest in the future. They're wanting to maybe go and build a house. And I'm saying, let's, no. We have a responsibility of taking this message to the world. And, and our, our two core principles are loving on the brokenhearted and sharing this wonderful message to as many people as possible. And whenever we have a hard question about are we going to do this, even the commercial questions, are we going to do this or not do it? And we have a lot of those things coming. We, try, we don't get it right all the time, but we try and, we try and put it through that filter. That's a that that's very good wisdom, and I, I'd love to dive a little more into that. As for King Country has evolved beyond just the Christian market, and now it's the question of you know, are there certain acts that you want to tour with or partner with, or how do you how do you kind of navigate some of those challenges being maybe outside of the world of K Love, outside of the world of the church? Yeah, that, that that's a good story. I think one of uh, a good question. One of the um, things that we do, and, we're, and we do pretty well at them, we play a lot of fairs. And so you go, to, you go to a fair, you know, most, a lot of country towns have pretty big fairs. So half the people are going to be in church and the other half are not. So we do quite, quite a few of those. This is a real interesting story. This is real interesting. So four years ago, we were with um, a pretty big promoter, Played a Little Rock. Anyone from Little Rock here? Anyway, the promoter lost uh, $10,000. And because 33 years ago, when I lost everything, 
I went to the artist and the management said, can you give me some money back because I want to keep on feeding my family? And they said, no, you have an agreement. You have a legal agreement. So I paid them all the money, but I purposed in my mind after that, if I ever had influence ever again, and I didn't know that I would, that I would take care of promoters. So with Rebecca in the early days, promoter lost money, we would give money back. So with For King Country, this promoter lost $10,000 four years ago. I gave him back $5,000. He couldn't believe it. He said the only other artist that had ever done that was Stephen Curtis Chapman. Last year, he came to us and said, oh, bloke, I want to see if you guys can come and play Madison Square Garden in New York with us. Probably the biggest venue in America. And I didn't do it for that reason. But I think probably out of being generous to that guy, we got a million dollars worth of goodwill. And uh, you guys probably know that's a very expensive venue, the most expensive venue in America. I think to book it, it costs $600,000. And I, I'm not answering the question that well. I, great, great, great answer. Uh, I, I'm just, how, how do we go to places that maybe people out of our genre have never been before? And sometimes that means uh, doing a concert for uh, a ministry and, and not getting paid. We love the two ministries we really love a lot, a Compassion and Celebrate Recovery. We just... Those people are heroes. They love on the brokenhearted. And so uh, we, I, I think it's getting to, I, I, I know, I'll give you a better answer. What we're looking at for next year, we have a movie coming out in our story which highlights the miraculous. We've filmed it, it's being edited at the moment, it'll come out March next year. So we just did a show up in Connecticut Last Sunday I was there and the Live Nation rep was there. And he's a Christian kid, 28, but, you know, really smart guy. He used to work at the big festival up there with Baba. I've forgotten the name of it, but good. anyone there from that area? But it was a good, uh, a good festival. So we're talking about maybe um, after the movie comes out because they're going to spend about $15 million on marketing the movie. So that's going to take our brand up, up, up a notch. Uh, and then we've got our best song off the album. It's not on the album, about, it, about to be added to the album called What Are We Waiting For? That's going to come out. That goes to radio in a couple of weeks. And that'll probably do well at both mainstream and Christian. So we've got those two things going. Then we've got the, the movie next March. And we're look, talking gonna, very early, telling you stuff that hardly anybody knows, talking to Live Nation about doing an amphitheater tour all across America. And, and what we like to do, we, liked, we always like boots on the ground. We're a little different to a lot of artists because I was a promoter in Australia, always looking for people who know their local market. That's who I prefer to partner with. So we'll try and find a way where we partner with a, a local promoter in all those cities and also with Live Nation that has a lot of clout. You know, they're the biggest they're the biggest in the business in America and all around the world. So that, uh, you know, we, we, we pray, Lord, show us what to do. We don't, we, we've seen the miraculous. That's where I still want to live. And, and I'm driven by, I probably haven't got long to go, mortality's around the corner, so I'm going to max it out. 
whatever whatever I've got left. And uh, and so always looking for partnerships and opportunities. But the main filter is how do we get this wonderful message to more people? And it means a lot to me that Seth, one of the better songwriters in our town, uh, is always supportive of us, will always make time to write, write songs with my sons. And I'm... I'm I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that our our friendship that is, in a, in a weird kind of way, a bit transactional, is deeper than that because we both have a, a Jesus perspective and we both have very strong-willed wives who've held us accountable. And that's one thing I want to talk to you about later before we finish, about accountability uh, in a, helping you guys survive the craziness of this industry. A lot of females have not survived Christian music. It's that tension between ministry and business. They come into it, oh, I have a passion to share Jesus. Then they realize, because we're controlled by the corporations, that it's all about the bottom line and it hurts them deeply. And I have a couple of ideas on how how to handle that. Yeah, I, I would love to hear that. I, I also want to make sure to highlight uh, the film that's coming out as well, too. Um, would you care to share a little bit about that? Yeah, what happened is two or three years ago, a um, Hollywood company came to us and said, we want to, want to do a movie with you uh, about your story. That heard about our story. I think Luke had been speaking to somebody or that heard or seen something. And uh, so they, we signed a contract uh, $6 million to make the movie, and uh, they, would, they would do the promotion and all that type of thing. Well, last year, middle of last year, or early last year, we realised we've got to f- make this film this year or else in 23, we're not going to have the time to do it. So we went to them and said, ah, we've got to do it now. And they said, we can't do it now, we've got another film already planned. And so we were able to get the rights back and sell those rights off to other... Uh, K-Love brought into it, an uh, investor out of uh, uh, Louisville brought into it, and Mike Kerb, who owns our record label, he, he brought into it. So we filmed that last October. It has a $6 million budget. And really... It talks about surviving failure and getting stronger. And, and really it's called Unsung Hero. In a lot of ways it's about my wife. But people who've been and seen it, they said, no, it's not about Helen. It's about the family. i tell you something pretty crazy. This is the craziest part. So what the... The movie world is all pretty new to me. We did a movie called Priceless six years ago, and it did well, but it was about trafficking, and so not everyone's cup of tea. But it was an important, important movie to do. But the, uh, the essence of the movie is, okay, just because you fail doesn't mean that it's all over. And people have come back and said they've been encouraged. And we've tested it in two cities now, tested it in Nashville and also tested it in Dallas. The testing has come back at 98. Uh, I can only imagine tested at 91. Um, 
Jesus Revolution tested at 94. So the industry can't believe it. You know, they're all shaken up. So we've got a deal going on it with one of the majors out of Hollywood where they're going to take it on and probably put $15 million into marketing it. And what I'm excited about is it's going to give hope to people who are feeling hopeless. And so, and as you know, coming out of COVID, the way the culture is at the moment, it's very selfish. A lot of people are feeling hopeless. So it's weird that I'm involved in the movie. My son, Joel, for King Country, plays me. But, you know, because I've been around my daughter doing it for 30 years, I'm at a point in my life I don't really care. You know, like as long as it's sharing... You know, my, my wife's a bit worried that it might, might change our family structure in that we're going to have greater notoriety, but it's other actors playing us. It's not us up there. So my hope is that it's going to be a strong encouragement to a lot of people. I love it. And I, I remember when we sat down... Uh, hey, by the way, he the... wrote the song, Unsung Hero. He wrote the song with... Uh, what's with, the name? other? With Joel and Fetty. Fetty was on that Fetty, one. Fetty, yeah. One yeah. of the... One of the did he did he work with Coldplay or who yep, do you Coldplay, work? Kanye West, Justin yeah. Timberlake? Yeah. A really good guy. Has really a great guy. has a faith perspective, so they all wrote that together. So yeah, he's a he's our partner in it. Yeah. No, I, I remember we were in the curb studio that day when we wrote it, and I I don't think I've been in a session where, you know, Joel and Luke had been that visibly emotional about a song. And because they wrote it at the, at the end of the day, it was it was a tribute to, to Helen, you know, yeah. I mean, and ultimately to you as well. But um, to her being the unsung hero behind the scenes all these years. And well, and, and he his wife is his unsung hero. He does a lot of stuff. He uh, he gets a lot of things done. Let me tell you something. I was that I dropped in on while they were, while they were recording or writing that. One of the things that really got my attention was. Luke always takes one of his sons. Whenever he goes out on the road, he'll take one of the boys. Occasionally, he'll take the whole family out. But he also... So he had one of his sons there one day. And then Seth had his daughter there one day. I, I just... Being a family guy, seven kids, that just... That was very inspirational to me. Well, I don't know if that song would have came out if kids weren't running around because you're thinking family. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of, of setting yourself up in that context. And I love Matilda and Melina have been able to participate in this boot camp. And she was sad to leave last night. Mom said, you got to go home. It's bedtime. She's like, I'm a songwriter. I want to be here too. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's, it, it is beautiful. It's part of their homeschooling. You know? oh, yeah. They get to be here and here. You know. I, and it was the homeschooling that allowed us to travel the world together. Because had we had them in a school, we wouldn't have been able to travel. And that was Helen's idea when we first arrived in America 31 years ago. We lived half a mile from a school, I remember saying, no, we're not going to put the kids in the school, we're going to homeschool. And she needed the kids around her because we didn't know anybody for her to survive emotionally. Surviving emotionally in this crazy business is a pretty important thing. It is. It, it's hard. I want to go back to uh, accountability, which is something that a lot of people in this business don't have. You've talked about it, and in, in, within your world, you have an ecosystem of three. It's you and Joel and Luke, and I've, I've actually referred that to people because that's, I just think it's a brilliant concept having two other strong people who can outvote you in any situation. It's not only about business, but just, yeah. you know, making uh, important life and spiritual decisions. Can you talk a little bit about accountability and how you've sort of built that into your culture? One of the things we do on the road is we'll have a devotional every night 
and uh, I've been out on the road. I think we've done 14 shows so far this tour. I've been out on the road six of those nights. I'll go out the road next week for two. I'll do uh, a little devotional, and I've got a I've got a devotional here from uh, Tim Keller. If you if you don't have a devotional, he's probably uh, the best in America. I stumbled over accountability probably in my 60s, uh, maybe uh, late 50s. I realized that um, uh, doing this by myself was too hard. So now I've got six or seven guys that I do a lot of life with, talk about everything, talk about temptation, uh, talk about marriage, talk about children, talk about business. And I think the one common denominator is how do we keep, how do we keep a, um, how do we keep perspective when everything around us is crazy? And so I'd encourage you, because what Seth and I will tell you here in Nashville, all the business relationships are transactional, and a lot of times that is temporary. That's not a long-term plan on life. But with your close friends, they want you to have a wonderful life. And they want you to survive and get stronger. And so my encouragement is to find... Because this industry is not sustainable unless you have perspective and people encouraging you and speaking into your life. And so that's why I think having people other than your business managers, to help you navigate the craziness, I think is very, very important. Um, I've got this devotional, which uh, Tim Keller, do you want me to share it now? Because I I think it does talk about accountability at a high level, and it's titled Speaking and Listening. The thing that amazes me about uh, biblical truth, it's so practical. When I, I grew up in a Christian family, and I took it for granted, lived a bit crazy for a while, and then realized, uh, no, that's the way to live. I had, I had a wonderful childhood. And, uh, but the wisdom that comes from the Bible is just huge. I encourage you on all your decisions, look for wisdom. This is out of Psalm 141. I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. Keep me safe from the traps set by evildoers from the snares they have laid for me. Because there's a lot of people who will rip you off in this business. Most of you probably know that already. And the, the last verse, let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by in safety. And that's what I know. I feel I've been protected by the Lord, particularly after coming to America. When I was in Australia, I was lukewarm. Then I came to America and saw Jesus' hands and feet because the church put food on the table for me shocked the daylights out of me, and, and changed me to the core. This is what Tim Keller has to say, and he, he, he titles it Speaking and Listening. It's very much about accountability. David again calls for help, but this time it is for protection from his heart's susceptibility to evil. He asks that good people hold him accountable, rebuke him. This would be a kindness. Inviting and listening to criticism is an irreplaceable component of wisdom. And as you grow your artist's career, having people of wisdom speak into you. What I do with For King Country is 
I understand this stage pretty well. I was in a band when I was 16, so I've lived in that world. I'm always helping them. I help them a lot of times with the little things, more so than the big things. They're pretty big, you know, pretty good on the big stuff. But it's those small little things, small little things on relationships, small little things on performance. Uh, and, and my conclusion is that artist development don't know what Seth thinks on this. Artist development is a lot of little things. A lot of times artists think, well, if I only get a number one song, suddenly the world's my oyster. I think what we've got to do is to be faithful in the small. And if we're faithful in the small, then when the bigger opportunities come along, we'll be in faithful in those as well. Let me read on what Tim Keller has to say. He also asks that God set a guard over his mouth. Careless words not only harm others, but also fortify the worst parts of our own nature. Our, uh, our words should be honest, few, wise, apt and kind. Speaking the truth in love knits this all together. And this is the final verse, which I think is so powerful. Right speaking in friends who are willing to confront us. I think one of the things that I have with my sons, because... Because of my deal where I own a third of fucking country, if they want to get rid of me, they have to buy me out. And, that, and, and most managers, oh, if an artist gets sick of them, see you later. You know, like it, you know, the, the, the management agreements are very loose. It is a very, and, and I've threatened to retire. When they've voted me out, I've threatened to retire. You know, I'm a bit sensitive sometimes. And then, then I tell my wife and she says, no, you can't retire. And she's the boss, and so I, I, keep, <laughs> I keep doing what I'm doing. And I, know, I feel a, a calling to do it. I'm driven by this wonderful message. This wonderful message, it makes what I do purposeful. To me, it has to be more than just two hours of entertainment. You know, you go to a show and you get entertainment and then you go back to all the craziness. I want to be involved in something where people change their perspective. And like what happened to me midlife, where I moved from being a selfish person to a less selfish person. I gave my life away. And that's when I found true life. And I think that's what our, our message is. I'm still a flawed bloke. I don't get it right all the time. I'm not sleeping around or anything like that, but I'm, 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 still, I'm still not Mr. Perfection, but I'm look, I am looking for the Jesus answer on every question, be it business, be it personal. And uh, I can tell you, having lived both sides of the equation, beautiful way to live. And I, I am a very grateful bloke. Celebrated 48 years of marriage three days ago. I can't believe she's put up with me for that, for that long. Thankful every day. Amazing. I love that. Well, I want to open it up to some questions for David Smallbone. I think, man, so much wisdom. And Seth Mosley. Like, come on. Like, this guy. <laughs> I appreciate you. That, you know what's crazy about this guy? He gets into the studio. You go in and write a song. And by the end of the session, you have a demo. What happens with a lot of writers, they go and write a song and then it takes three months to get the demo. And the, 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 if you ever get a chance to ask Mosley a question, ask him how he came to be so efficient. He's the most efficient operator in this town in the creative process, but also does 
you know, brilliant creativity. What's that song about the boat you just had, got to number one? Build a Boat. Build a Boat yeah. with, uh, who's that guy? It's Colton. Colton yeah. Dixon, yeah. Uh, and then he's, you know, did you do Fix My Eyes? And then you did Baby Boy and uh, like a priceless, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, quite, a, quite a few of them. And, and we still like each other. Can you believe that? You know? Thanks for listening to part one of this episode of the Made It Music podcast. Head to musicmakersbootcamp.com to learn more about our upcoming Music Makers Bootcamp and check out madeitinmusic.com for more content and episodes from this podcast. See you in the next episode.